1: everybody. Welcome to this second day of spring, to Bach's 336th birthday just brought to life and into our presence here in the sanctuary and to you at home by Reika Odalane, our organist, we're so grateful. And to this Sunday just past the one year anniversary of shutdown and all that that has meant for all of us. And in this time when some of the most common greetings are, I got my first shot, or as Carrie Steer Salazar had across her mask this morning as she was doing our flowers, I am vaccinated. What a year it has been. And this is a spring indeed for many of us, the urgings to get free and liberated and connected in the ways we used to bubbling up inside us with a shorter timeline, we hope, and so it is so great to be together here, connected in the ways we have been through this last year. I wanna thank everybody who has made this Sunday possible, to Jonathan Silk, who pulls together our worship every week, to Eric Shackelford, who is running our camera. I wanna thank the folks who are with me up in the chancel, to Don Wiepert, worship associate this week, who I'm lucky to have with me, and our special guests, Dolores Perez Heilbrunn and David Heilbrunn. I wanna thank Joe Chapeau, he is on the chat monitoring it, so if you have any issues getting online or any questions, you can ask him and he'll be right there to help you out. Thomas Brown, who opened the building and made it safe and welcoming and warm, which was important today to our coffee hour hosts this morning and more about that coffee hour during our brief invitations. And I also wanna thank all the musicians who are in our special music wing, Leandra Ram and Brielle Marina Nielsen and Ben Rudiak Gould and Asher Davidson, Mark, is home with family but curated and rehearsed all of the music this morning so thanks to Mark Sumner and Bill Gans, who you will see soon here at the piano back with us. It is wonderful to have you all with us. If you're joining us for the first time it's so great to have you and you can probably find a link. It went down last night in the magic of um, Company's not telling us that they were transferring all of our accounts to a different place in cyberspace. So anyway, it's back up. You should have access to it with all of the music and words and much more. So welcome to worship, everybody. We have been since the beginning lighting a candle in honor of all of you to bring your spirits into this place until we can be together in body again. So we will light the second of these candles that we started a few weeks ago. But this morning, I also want to invite all of us to keep in mind as we light it, one of our beloved members, Melvin Starks, who was admitted to the ICU this week and is slowly getting better. But he is one of our, I would say, our social justice ministers at large in the world and so beloved and so we keep him especially in our thoughts this morning. Today, the service is a service that looks at a topic I first preached about when I started here three and a half years, almost four years ago, it'll be in September, on the Sabbath. And it felt time to preach it again. So in the spirit of that, we open with words from Abraham Joshua Heschel, who said, When all work is brought to a standstill, the candles are lit. Oops, one went unlit, but that's a perfect time for us to, oh, we haven't lit this candle yet, will be lit. And just as creation began with the words, let there be light, so does the celebration of Sabbath begin with the kindling of lights. And the world becomes a place of rest. In that spirit, we gather. And in that spirit, let's sing our opening hymn of the morning. It's hymn number 90, but it's in your order of service. From all the fret and fever of the day, let's sing.
0: find the soundless wisdom
2: you to say the words of our chalice lighting with me. They are printed in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Hello. I'm Don Weepert, a member and a worship associate at UUSF. If this is your first time watching us, thanks for joining. You can follow along in the order of service, which is available in the description of this video and is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter, which you can get by signing up through the link to our connection form that is in the order of service and video description. The order of service, besides guiding you through worship, also lists upcoming events. Please join any that interest you. After service, we have a Zoom coffee hour. Today at coffee hour, we have two special breakout rooms. One of those is to discuss the consideration of the new eighth principle to add to the denomination's seven existing committed value statements. We will be voting as a congregation in June to that principle, so come to find out more. In addition, there is a breakout room for sermon discussions. When you join Coffee Hour, just let the hosts know if you want to be in either of these special breakout groups. Today, I also want to tell you about our special offering. With a three to one match from the Hinckley Fund, we will be donating to support the Chinatown Community Development Center in the incredible work that it has been doing during the pandemic to keep low-income seniors fed and safe and has done and has done so asking local restaurants to produce the food, thereby helping those businesses survive the last year. Especially in this time of violence and hatred against our Asian siblings, we stand in solidarity And this offering is one way to live it out. I now want to invite Vanessa forward to give you a quick update on our annual giving guide.
1: Yes, as you can see hot off the press, I have a note to tell you that our annual operating fund drive, which is to fund the church year that starts July 1st and goes through the following June. A year when we expect to have the lag effects of the pandemic, particularly around our rental income. That year, which is especially challenging and in which we are asking folks to help us raise an additional 50% on top of our normal $600,000 in annual pledges that you all generously give to make this church and its life possible. That additional gift so that the total $900,000 would allow us to make it through next year whole Whole with staffing and programming and the supports that we need to stay alive and strong till the very end of what this has all meant for us we hope. Well so far from 107 households and we have 240 we have raised $560,472 which is an immense way toward our goal of 900,000 but we will need everybody to make that last possible. So if you've gotten your letter, or if you haven't even, you can find a pledge button online and a way to pledge. And please do so. We're hoping to wrap up the whole decision-making process of our budget on which this gift, these gifts rely by the end of this month or early next month. So please let us know. And thank you in advance. Thank you for everybody who pledged. And I want to invite forward our special guests, Dolores Perez Heilbrunn and David Heilbrunn, who are gonna share with us a message particularly around this.
3: Good morning, my name is Dolores Perez
4: Heilbrunn. And I am David Heilbrunn. We want you all to know how much we value this Unitarian Universalist community. I am so grateful for the happiness that Dolores and I have found together It is no coincidence that we met at this Unitarian Universalist Society because of the unique spirituality it offers and the values it teaches. I
3: agree, David. However, because of the COVID-19 virus, this past year has been difficult for all of us and for this institution financially. Yet we are impressed by how quickly Reverend Vanessa Southern and all the ministers helped us adjust to this new reality by bringing USF activities and educational opportunities into our homes with Zoom sessions. A thankful shout out to Jonathan Silk, Shuli Ong, Eric Shackelford, Roberto Della'o, Thomas Brown, Joe Chapeau, and the whole staff for accomplishing this, feat, this task It is so
4: good to be again in this beautiful place and to hear Reiko Oda Lane play the organ. Thank you for that magnificent Bach Passacaglia. We are looking forward to hearing the fugue later. Thanks Reiko. We miss the choir led by Mark Sumner, but enjoy hearing the soloists online.
3: Yes, Today we proudly walked through our doors and saw the signs outside that proclaim Black Lives Matter and immigrants welcome. Our church steps have been a stage for important events in the past. Anti-war protests and other important public declarations dealing with major social issues. Currently we gather every Wednesday morning during the rush hour to support long overdue immigration reform. We try to emulate and live up to the ideals and actions of our Unitarian Universalist forebearers. Our former minister, Reverend Dr. John Burens, has written about and teaches courses on that history, as well as the 19th century abolitionists and transcendentalists we are now inspired by activist friends like Betsy Dar and Larry Danos who speak out on environmental concerns and the climate crisis and thanks to chairpersons Bruce Neuberger and Jim Barnett with much assistance from Melvin Starks by the way the forum and the humanist non present a wide range of topics Recently, we have heard the science behind the COVID-19 virus and vaccine research, new discoveries about the institution of American slavery, a truer history of the indigenous peoples of this continent, and strategies on how to end white supremacy that continues to contaminate our American culture. Our many interest
4: groups include the 20s and 30s young adults, called TNT for short, also the Art Committee and Pagan Interest Circle. There are also opportunities to serve the homeless through our winter shelter and the Interfaith Food Pantry. Dolores is especially happy to attend the Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Color gatherings sharing ideas, and comradeship.
3: We like to think that UUSF is a part of a new 21st century enlightenment and awakening. Being a part of it has expanded Dave's and my awareness of the need to work toward a more just and sustainable world. I
4: hope our comments today explain why we support this community each year as a primary commitment but right now our UUSF spiritual ship is sailing into rough financial waters knowing what it will take to get us safely through the next fiscal year we have doubled our gift to the annual operating fund we were happy to do so and we hope you will join us see you soon
1: So let's transition from that celebration of all of your faces and into this time of quiet and reflection and discernment. And I invite us as one way that we do so every week to sing what we call our meditation on breathing. The words are simple, they're in your order of service, there are many parts. If you don't already know it, you can listen for them. And we invite you if you're joining us for the first time just to listen and then surrender in and sing. Let that shared chanting and singing bring you into a deeper grounded place as we deepen in our worship here this morning.
5: When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love, when I breathe in. I'll breathe in peace when I breathe out, out, I'll I'll breathe breathe out love when I breathe
6: in,
5: in, I'll breathe in peace peace when I breathe out. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe.
1: invite us to say together the words of our covenant, our promises of the heart that we make to each other in this community, bound by covenant and not creed. Please say them with me, they're in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another.
2: suffering all over the world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of three such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first, as we have since July of 2019, for those lives held and those lives lost in federal custody in our detention camps for over 500 children now permanently separated from their families, for all people who held without charges in less than transparent or humane circumstances. In this repeat of some of the most shameful chapters of our nations and our world's history of xenophobia, racism, and greed, we ring the gong seven times for this week of days in which these deeds have been done in our name. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses this week to COVID-19. We hold in our hearts also also all who continue to to risk their lives to provide essential services, those who suffer from loss of jobs and those people around the world who have no access to the vaccine but need it most. Finally, we ring our gong once this morning Again, in solidarity with our Asian-American neighbors and fellow citizens, and the recommitment to all the work of interrupting dehumanizing words and rhetoric wherever we find it, and working to stem the violence it gives license to. May we keep those we have named in our thoughts and in our prayers, and may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week howsoever we can.
1: In the headlong tumble of our days, we pause at the threshold of one week into the next. We lay aside the tasks undone, phone calls unmade, broken things and overdue bills, garden beds that need weeding and distant lands that need healing and feeding and hope, and we cross into the cathedral of time. We enter this day a place of moral imagination, of heightened awareness to the beauty and the perfection of the now, of the extraordinary enoughness of the this and the here, we focus on the people in front of us and realize how little we sometimes see them in the rush of a week's obligations. Enter Sabbath. And the world was made and it was good, good enough, not perfect, but good Today we look for and delight in the good, that which we already have and know and radiate in its presence. E.B. White once famously said, Every morning I wake, torn between a desire to save the world and an inclination to savor it, this makes it hard to plan the day. But if we forget to savor the world, he said, what possible reason do we have for saving it? In a way, savoring must come first. Spirit of life and love, help us to savor life. At least one day a week and not because we are callous to the pain and brokenness and danger in this world, or our responsibility to heal it and save it and to struggle for the dream, but because of how delight and rest feed the human spirit and prepare us for the long road of striving. So, help us to trust in a day consecrated for the savoring of it all. Amen. And now our special offering will be both given and received. So when you go to the donate button, look for special offering to make it clear that this is the intention of your gift. Stop AAPI Hate, which we in this congregation helped fund earlier this year, has tracked 3,795 incidents reported in 49 weeks against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. 56% of those in those last 49 weeks took place in California and New York. The work on so many levels is ours to do. And so our offering will be both given and gratefully received with the three to one match up to $4,000 from the Hinckley Fund. Thank you for your giving.
5: Of the superficial. Some
0: people want it all. I don't want nothing at all. If it ain't you, baby. If I ain't got
4: you, baby. Some people want diamond rings. Some just want
3: everything. But
5: everything.
0: Some people search for
3: a fountain
2: that promises forever young.
3: You know, some people need three dozen roses,
0: and that's the only way you prove you love them. And be the world on a silver platter and one.
4: At all, if it ain't you, baby. If I ain't got you,
2: yeah. baby, some people want diamond rings, some just whatever everything, But everything
0: means nothing if I ain't got you. Some people want it all, i If I got you, baby Some people want diamond rings Some just want everything But everything means nothing If I ain't got you
1: I don't know about the rest of you, but part of how I'm getting through all of this is just thinking of all these plans of what I'm gonna do when we all can be back together. And I definitely think when we're all back together and we're allowed to sing, we're all gonna sing that in the sanctuary together because by now you all have probably set it to memory if you didn't already know it. That'll get me through. I wanted to, tell the story that's told in the first book, and the first chapter of the Hebrew Scriptures. This story, one of the stories about how the world is created in this sacred scripture of the universe. For those of us who are raised in the Jewish or Christian traditions or Jewish and Christian approximate, it's the one that has permeated the art and culture and even some of the laws that we have been raised in and around. Here is a very, very brief recap of this story. On day one, the story says God enters into nothing and makes something out of it, begins to. God begins by speaking light into existence. God then separates light from the darkness and names one day and names one night and then says, that's good. And then God creates the sky, separating it as a dome from the waters. And God says, that's good. On day three, God gathers the waters up, laying visible the earth that was underneath. And the large bodies of water are named the seas. And the ground is called the land. And God creates all the plants and says, that's good. On day four, God creates the sun and the moon and the stars and all the heavenly bodies, the planets and the comets and the black holes, and God says, that's good. On day five, God creates all life that lives in the water, and God also makes all the birds, and God says, that's good. On day six, God creates all the creatures that live on the land. This includes every type of creature not included on previous days cows and zebras and dogs and dinosaurs, we suppose, and humankind. And perhaps being a little overgenerous, particularly about that last creation, God says that's good. Finally, on day seven, the story goes God rests. But God is God, so rests might not be the right word, more like God is done. All of it is done, and according to God, it's all good. And the seventh day, well, God makes this one additional day just to look at and enjoy all of it, to play with God's toys, you might say do some reveling before the complaints start coming in and things start breaking before people complain about the food or you need to answer their prayers. And the idea is that, or the way it's been interpreted at least, is that we, all of us, we're supposed to build the same into our lives. And remember that on the seventh day, according to this story, God didn't catch up on God's other work right I mean God wasn't shown dusting or mowing the lawn or doing the laundry or staying busy making enough food and freezing it for the whole week and paying the bills God was just relishing in it all and we're supposed to do the same every Sunday or some day of the week it's partly why there's this tradition I think in western culture of Saturdays or Sundays off Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, Sunday, the Christian one, imitating that first seventh day. Here ends our reading.
6: Ooh.
0: Look down and see my people through I believe that God put sun and moon up in the sky. I don't mind the gray skies cause they're just clouds sing
1: dramatic the story of creation is as told in Genesis you can just imagine it right this God who sweeps her hand and light appears who nods his head and planets spin into the sky and suns begin to burn and heat and light up moons. This creative power snaps its fingers and birds crack their wings one day. Whales and minnows swim in the newly created seas and rivers and lakes, never fresher than on that day. Humankind rolled from the earth, it's told. My favorite re-depiction of that piece of the story is in James Weldon Johnson's poem The Creation where he says up from the bed of the river God scooped the clay and by the bank of the river he kneeled him down and there the great God Almighty who lit the sun and fixed it in the sky, who flung the stars to the farmost most corners of the night, who rounded the earth in the middle of his palm. This great God, like, like a mammy bending over her baby, kneeled down in the dust, toiling over a lump of clay till he shaped it in his own image. Then into it he blew the breath of life, And man became a living soul. Amen. Amen. And there, Adam and Eve must have stood. We can also imagine, like Mary Oliver describes in her poem, Morning in a New Land, one of them rubbing his eyes from that first night of sleep and parting the leaves on some full and resplendent tree like tissue. On some vast, incredible gift. All good, this God says of this creation. At each step, it's good, a gift indeed, though it would be broken from its perfect state and those who came after would be left to bind it back up and find our way back to the paradise we are all told once existed. In this moment all was well. At the end of that creation, in this version of the story, we are told though that this God does one last thing. It is the capstone of this whirlwind of generative work and it's not quite what we might suppose. Rabbi and theologian Abraham Joshua Heschel writes, quote, the mythical mind would expect that after heaven and earth have been established, God would create a holy place, a holy mountain or a holy spring whereupon a sanctuary is to be established. Yet it seems as if, to the Bible, it is holiness in time, the Sabbath, which comes first. Heschel points out that God's last creative act, at least in this first wave of creation, is to consecrate a day, and God calls it holy Kadosh, the first thing, the first reality, the only part of creation, as good as it all is, that will be called holy is a day. Forrest Church used to say that eternity wasn't a length of time, it was depth in time. And I don't know entirely what he meant, but I get the idea. That time isn't just a measure of length, but it has qualities to it, like depth. And as Genesis points out, holiness too. Not all the time, but some time. And whether it's that way in and of itself or because we make it so by consecrating the way we are present to it, I don't begin to know. But that time can be holy, feel holy, I do know. The idea of Sabbath is that it asks us to partner in that truth. I think Sabbath gets a bad rap in our contemporary conventional uses. Even using the word conjures up images of finger-wagging ministers, I think, and days without alcohol or, or fun, any kind of fun. Sabbath in that vein is all about starched, scratchy clothes and boring long sermons and tight shoes and having to be on your best behavior. But the notion in Judaism, at least, is much richer and frankly, gorgeously and seductively appealing. At least to me, and I hope you agree. Imagine this, a perfect day. For me, that would be a day after a big holiday, like the Friday after Thanksgiving, or the first real day in a week of vacation. That day, or any day like it, when you count on being abandoned to being, and the good things in life, by which I don't mean yachts and tiaras, I mean the really good things. Can you think of such a day, remember one, A day when all the cooking is done and there are plenty of leftovers. A day when even though you have chores to do, you still have so much time that you cannot do them guilt-free. A day when you can just hang out, maybe with your family and friends, playing football in the backyard or sitting around the table in your jeans, talking for hours and how the day kind of meanders on. How some points in the day some people go off and nap and others find a quiet place and curl up with a book and at some point everyone maybe gathers around the TV for a movie or to watch a game and some are on the couch and some are on the floor or reclining on pillows that are brought in from other rooms and people are laughing and poking fun of each other and there's grace around the table at night. And the people who are not there, who are no longer with you, they're somehow between you all still in those moments. That day when you could count on all of life being full of all the good stuff of life. You know that kind of day? Or whatever a perfect day is for you. Well, That's what Sabbath, this holy day, is supposed to be like in a way. Sabbath is actually the holiest of all Jewish holy days. I mean, there are 52 Sabbaths in a year after all. No other celebration gets that much airtime. And what is the core of this day? What is it about? Piety? Boredom? No. Sabbath is about delight. A delight that makes everything important possible. A delight that's key to our spiritual and emotional survival. Rabbi Irving Greenberg, author of The Jewish Way, writes, The promise that universal peace can be reached and the earth turned into a paradise is astounding. The demand to overcome sickness and poverty is revolutionary and wild is that in Judaism is to believe all that this can be achieved through humanity, not despite us. It's what Unitarian Universalists, what we also believe, by the way, that we human beings, we're the fingers and toes, the legs, the eyes, the mouth of whatever is divine in this world. We are flawed, for sure. Any longtime member of the human race will attest to that. But we are capable of overcoming our flaws in in just the right moments, at just the right Point to turn the tide of life or history and do tremendous good despite our limits. So the theater of salvation, it's not in some imagined heaven or hell, but right here and right now and every day and every hour that we live and choose and shape the future by our actions in the present moment. But that is tiring business. And the world can get under our skin and compromise our resolve. Or like a boat that's lost its guiding star in the cloudy sky, we can slightly start to veer off our course, sometimes almost imperceptibly so, but day after day, that one degree can send us off in completely the wrong direction, forging a future that we we actually didn't want to be a part of. So how do we, how do you and I, ground ourselves to protect against all of these pitfalls of the life of the Spirit? What do we do? Sabbath was supposed to be the structure we built into our lives for just that work. No one should try to save the world, writes Rabbi Greenberg, without having an inner life. Tradition had to develop an individual's love of life. Sabbath is about that. It's this structure in time. It's this consecration of time, a, a cathedral, not on a hill, right? Right? but to mark the seventh day in these recurring hours and points in our weeks to make sure that we nurtured, that we nurtured this inner life and a love of life. Who doesn't want that? How, you might ask. How were we supposed to do that day to help us avoid all those pitfalls? Despair, the dangerous misdirection of life. What helped us to avoid all of that? Well, it was the whole array of things that were supposed to be part of this idea of Sabbath. It was this, this for sure. Worshipping, singing, praying. Getting together with a community whose ideals and visions we shared however we could. People who helped one another to hold the whole of life and wrestle together to make sense of it week in and week out. This, for sure. But also study, reading, time for thought and reflection. That was part of Sabbath. Eating, but not cooking, So then no one was stuck in the kitchen while the rest relaxed. Food was to be made in advance. No dishes were to be done that day. No vacuuming. No shopping. Sex. Making love to your partner. It's a mitzvah. A blessing on Shabbat. So is sleeping, by the way. And how perfect it is that the two might mix together. An afternoon nap. No one having chores to do. You can see how genius it all is and what happens if you do all of this if you surrender to the harsh disciplines of Sabbath Rabbi Greenberg says that when you do quote the ability to reflect is set free creative thoughts long forgotten come back to mind One's patience with life increases The individual's capacity to cope is renewed. But there's one other aspect to the intention and framing to Shabbat that I don't want to lose because I love it so much. It is more than just all these lovely, restorative, joy filled pieces, it's even more than that. Shabbat is supposed to be a day when we taste the fulfillment of a dream. One day a week, we are to set aside all that is undone and imperfect and heartbreaking and painfully eluding our efforts. One day, we are to pretend to act as if the world is perfect. More so even, we are to dig into and beyond the ugliness and the imperfection and to hold up the quiet. The wisdom that breathes through books and in quiet moments, the sheer joy of food and being with loved ones, of a body that's honored and celebrated, and mind and spirit. We are supposed to see, look for the blue sky that is always there but gets clouded over. See the perfection. Look for and find it here, even, even amidst all the pain. Why? Because doing so gives us a taste of what it is we're working to make real for everyone and ourselves all the time. The hope is that having lived into that reality imaginatively, tasted of it one day a week, pulled it back into our consciousness, that we will go back recommitted to lean even harder into the stubborn places in this world, determined, if you will, to unearth the good and the holy, where it already exists. All of it, ways to make abundant life more possible for all. What a radical act it is to keep a Sabbath, actually. To ignore the pressures to stay busy and dissatisfied, What a radical act to commit one day in delighting in the world, acting as if it's perfect and enjoying all the things that make it so, and calling that a religious commitment. A decade ago, after running myself completely down, I recommitted to trying to honor one day a week as a kind of Sabbath. I never did it perfectly, Somehow I always would manage to do a little shopping with Lila for school things some of those days or fold some laundry or scramble some eggs and make some muffins. But I chose to do those things differently. And I would prioritize rest and study time and time with my loved ones and I'd focus on joy and I'd hold that day as consecrated and it has sustained me when I've done so to be able to do so but I will say that pandemic with home being office and time feeling strangely fluid like one long living through of the groundhog day movie well it's undermined that boundary for me and that practice and so I am recommitting to it lately because I miss it, and I miss how it changes how I am the rest of the week. I invite you, if you don't already do so, to consider one day carved out along those lines. One day a week, that's all, just to rise and part the leaves like tissue on some vast incredible gift. One day, not to miss delight for distraction, for theologians and poets alike tell us we were made for two purposes, to savor and to save this life. We were made for both. And one day, so the story goes, was created holy. And just to remind us not to forget the savoring part. Delighting, we are told, may just make all the rest Possible. So Shabbat Shalom, my friends. Shabbat Shalom. Stop! goings, may the light of love shine upon us out from within us. Be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. (laughs)